today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know when Jesus, describing the enemy, says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Have you ever thought of it this way? He steals your hope. He kills your joy. And he destroys your faith. He's not going to steal your car. He doesn't need your car. I know that's a silly way to illustrate it, but you get the point, right? Steal your hope, kill your joy, and destroy, shipwreck your faith. There are those with evil motives and corrupt minds who are bent on coming into a church to destroy it and destroy each believer. Paul warned about this in his letters. As Pastor J.D. teaches today, be on guard for this danger. Don't let the enemy steal your hope, kill your joy, and destroy your faith. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're currently in our trek through the Bible in 2 Timothy, and our text today is going to be chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. I want to invite you at this time to turn there if you're not there already. 2 Timothy chapter 3, our text again, verses 6 through 9. If you don't mind, I want to begin reading in verse 1 for the sake of context and follow along as I read. If not, where you're seated is fine. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, really warning Timothy, knowing that his days are numbered. It's just a matter of time. He's now come to the end of his life. He's finished the race. He's fought the good fight of faith. And these are his parting words to Timothy, who he sees as his son in the faith and loves him so much. So he's warning him. And he says, verse 1, by the Holy Spirit, but mark this, there will be terrible times, perilous times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, always posting on social media. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not... No, but that's a pretty apt description, isn't it? I'm sorry. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They, verse 6, are the kind who worm their way into homes, and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as verse 8, Janus and Jabris, 
opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, corrupt minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But, verse 9, they will not get very far, because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. (laughs) Can't wait. So, I want to talk with you today about the dangers those with evil motives and corrupt minds pose in the life of a Christian, and certainly in the life of a church. And again, it's so important to understand that these are Paul's final words to Timothy. I mean, he knows that it's just a matter of time, and it's not much longer. And think of it from Timothy's standpoint. He's had the Apostle Paul in his life, most of his life, arguably all of his life. And he too knows that it's not going to be long before his mentor, the Apostle Paul, is gone, and he won't have him anymore. And so Paul, as any father who loves his son, is warning him, steadying him, readying him for that which he knows is going to happen. I was thinking about Acts chapter 20. It's pretty intense, where the Apostle Paul talks about how that to the Ephesians, I know what's going to happen when I'm gone. (laughs) They're going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. And from among you, In other words, they're already in the church. You can just imagine about that time everybody's looking at the person sitting next to them. Don't do that, by the way. Just, you know. From among you are going to rise up, and they're not going to spare the flock. And he says this. He says, I think it's about verse 23, Acts 20. He says, you guys, I you know that I've been warning you and weeping. Every day, every night, day and night, for three years. Because I know that after I'm gone, they're going to come in, and they're going to seek to destroy the work, the church, you, your faith. You know when Jesus, describing the enemy, says that He comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Have you ever thought of it this way? He steals your hope, He kills your joy, and He destroys your faith. He's not going to steal your car. He doesn't need your car. (laughs) I know that's a silly way to illustrate it, but you get the point, right? Steal your hope, kill your joy, and destroy, shipwreck your faith. And so that's the heart of the Apostle Paul here with Timothy, who he loves and sees as a son. Timothy, I I don't have much longer. Please take heed to this. Be ready, (laughs) be steady, because I know what's going to happen after I'm gone. And you have to understand too, and we know this about Timothy, he's kind of the shy personality. 
easily intimidated, dare I say manipulated, the timid type, bashful. And that's why Paul says, don't be timid. God's not giving you a spirit of timidity to be intimidated or fearful of man, intimidated by man, but power and love, and better translated, a disciplined mind. You know, we discipline our children, we need to discipline our mind. That's what he's saying there. So I wanted to frame this in this way, because when you understand the heart of the Apostle Paul towards Timothy, then you're able to see the heart in this warning to Timothy. So, in preparing for this teaching, I was struck by something, that this warning would rise to the level of God deeming it necessary to inspire and include in the pages of Scripture. Think about this. I mean, there are so many things that I'm sure Paul, as we see in his letters to Timothy, wants to warn Timothy about. And yet he's warning Timothy about this in particular. I think it would stand a reason that this was of paramount importance to Paul. These men who had depraved minds, evil motives that would prey on the vulnerable and the weak. So what I want to do is share with you what I see in our text today as four ways to first identify, spot, and second, be on guard against those who have been fully given over to depravity and corruption. The first one, verse 6, they trap and control the weak and the vulnerable. Here, Paul tells Timothy that you can identify them, you can spot them, because they're going to prey on and seek to have control over those who are gullible. He, he, he says women, women don't take this personally, it's not just you, but anyone who's just gullible, vulnerable, weak, I would suggest that they're actually drawn to such people. By way of an illustration like magnet to a steel, uh, to steel, I hate to say it this way, but for lack of a better way of saying it, they can smell it. They can, they can smell vulnerability and gullibility a mile away, which is why they prey on them in the first place. You know what's sad? Many a Christian is naive and will believe anything 
or anyone who worms their way in in this way. Oh, I mean, they're so unsuspecting. In fact, one of the red flags is that they're just so enveloping. There's something about their, their personality. Hey, watch out. They have an agenda. Their intentions are malicious and nefarious. And they have spotted you as their victim. And the question is, do you spot them as the perpetrator? This is how you can. This is how you can. They seek to, and this again is in Acts 20. I would really encourage you to spend some time in Acts 20. Paul talks about how that you can spot these guys because they're always recruiting and drawing disciples unto themselves, not Jesus. It's manipulative. They prey on and they want to have control over. And when they see that you're vulnerable, then they draw you unto themselves. Disciples after themselves. And then they wield that control in your life. These are men with corrupt minds and evil motives. And we would do well to have discernment to know them when we see them. Second one, verse 7. This is interesting. Paul says they're always learning, but have no knowledge of the truth. Now, there's some discussion about whether or not this is referring to the perpetrator, the one with the corrupt and depraved mind, or is it talking about the victim, the vulnerable and gullible victim? I would suggest that it's not really necessarily an either-or proposition, but perhaps both, and I'll explain why I say that. On the side of the perpetrator, yes, they always come off this way. They always come in this way, like they really know what they're talking about. That's part of the, the whole plan, if I can say it like that. And on the part of the, the victim, I hate to use that word, it's been hijacked. Sorry to use hijacked, I shouldn't use that word either. But <laughs> uh, the victims of these perpetrators, this can apply too as well. Because they don't have the knowledge of the truth, which is what makes them vulnerable to begin with. Hang in there with me. This is actually where I'm going with this one. So let's get back to the perpetrator. They lace the truth with just enough deception so it sounds right. Kind of like what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. You know, Satan can quote Scripture better than you, right? You know that, right? He knows Scripture better than you and I do. So what he does is he, he quotes it ever so subtly. <laughs> Sorry for the effects, but you get the point, right? So it sounds right. I think of Eve, because God never said, don't touch it. The serpent did. Hath God said, 
And here's Eve. God said, we're not supposed to eat from this tree, nor are we supposed to touch it. Wait a minute. That's not what God's, God's word said. You've just fell prey to the deceit of the enemy who has laced just enough deception in with the truth to make it sound right. And so you believe it. Here's where I'm going. And if you were to ask me what I thought was one of the biggest problems for Christians today, if not the biggest problem for Christians today, it would have to be biblical illiteracy. Let me say the same thing in a different way. We are sitting ducks if we don't know God's Word. You have to understand that Satan, who does know God's Word, and also knows that you do not know God's Word, he knows exactly what to do. And the description we have of him stalking his prey like a lion, very patiently waiting for the optimum time to attack. Oh, they're discouraged. They're alone. They're isolated. They're down. They're tired. They're disappointed. I mean, I can go on with the list. I don't have to, right? Now's the time. And he pounces. And he's got you. And then I think of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. We, we talk about it all the time. Well-known passage, the spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth that holds everything together, by the way, the shoes of peace, the sword of uh, the Spirit, and the shield of faith. And after you put on, metaphorically, this spiritual armor, what does Paul say? Now, stand. Stand. Firm. So here comes the enemy. Ah. How you done? <laughs> I see you're a little bit discouraged today. Yeah. Didn't turn out as you hoped it would. Yeah. Hmm. Hath God said? Now here you are. I don't know. You know what just happened? He has planted a seed of doubt in a biblically illiterate mind that can't discern. Wait a minute, stop. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> nice try. Get out of my face. God didn't say that. I know what you're doing. I'm on to you. Nice try. But, but think of it this way, and here's the takeaway. It is so important to be solid in the Word of God and the God of the Word. You're immovable. You stand firm. He can't do that to you. He can't get away with that. And not only that, but instead of attracting him, you repel him. Here's how I see it. 
and I know they have clinical terms for this condition. This is the way I think. I picture it like this. The enemy is roaming to and fro, going, you know, searching for, looking for whom and when he can devour a Christian. And so he comes to my address. Don't don't bother. Don't bother. He's not going to go for it. Hey, we used to get him, you know, back in the day. Not anymore. Not now. Move on. Go to the next address. Whoa, look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, let's get him. Let's get her. You know, it's a low-hanging fruit, as they say it, for a pastor to harp on this, you know. But i got to tell you, I don't know. I'll just speak for myself. I don't know how I would be able to survive, let alone thrive, especially in this day that we're living in, if it weren't for being grounded in the Word of God. I'm telling you. And I don't know moving forward in the days ahead how it's possible. It, please know that it's not like God's saying, you need to spend more time in the Bible and in prayer. Call yourself a Christian. No, it's not like that at all. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It's more like this. Here's our loving Heavenly Father. Like a loving Apostle Paul to a Timothy. I love you so much. You're not going to make it unless you stand on the Word. You're grounded in the Word. You know the Word. So that when, not if, the enemy comes, you can say, out with you. Get out. What are you even bothering for? You got the wrong address. You pulled the wrong file. It's a loving Heavenly Father saying, I... I can't stand it when I see someone I love so much fall prey. Needlessly, unnecessarily, this need not be so. Stand firm in the Word. You get into the Word, the Word gets into you. You're bulletproof. You're bulletproof. And by the way, don't you find it interesting, getting back to the armor, that the only offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Oh, yeah. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy with this in mind. He knew how important it was to have the support and prayers of other believers in Christ. Church is also a place you can serve and encourage others, too. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is inspiritandtruthradio.com. As we continue to study wisdom from the book of 2 Timothy with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to live out your faith in a new way. The Bible holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you on your faith journey. So keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth. 